So we've been just talking about the book Acts, and I was just doing some reading this week, and I don't know, I've just been enjoying this, just studying the book of Acts for myself, and and uh, and so I was thinking tonight maybe we could jump from Acts, Acts 3 to Acts 4, just we'll deal with Acts 3 probably Sunday, but... Um, something that was just that caught my eye as I was looking at Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. Um, this topic of boldness and courage. And um, thinking about courage and thinking about the persecution and the, the discouraging things that the devil could throw at a new church like we see with the new church in the book of Acts, the first church. And Acts chapter 4, and we completed Acts chapter 2 last Sunday. We're going to hit Acts 3 and 4 this coming Sunday. But I just want to jump ahead to Acts chapter 4, verse 23, and just read about um, a moment in the first church where uh, they were faced with discouragement and fear resulting from uh, persecution. In Acts 23, verse 30, Acts chapter 4, verses 23 verse through 31. And I'll just read this. When they were released and being released from jail, um, meaning the apostles, they went to their friends and reported that the chief, what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they had heard it, they lifted their voice together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, and then there's a quote here uh, from the book of Psalms, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against his anointed. Does that sound like something that's happening today? Yes. But we would not be putting, they would never say against the Lord and against his anointed. They were just saying that the heathen are raging and they have set themselves and gathered together. And I think we can only expect that this is going to get worse. I agree. And when you have the, and not to get to political, not to get political here, but when you have the president's wife open in prayer, straight from the Bible, mm-hmm. and the backlash she's gotten mm-hmm. for that Ridiculous. is unbelievable. That's just... Mm-hmm. And we have to understand that this is not against her or anything else. It's really against the Lord, His anointed. Mm-hmm. And um, Anyway, for truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestinated to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak. And this is verse verse 29 I want to look at. Look to your look upon their hearts and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders 
are performed to the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. As we read through that, you're probably going to remember, and some of it's going to be familiar to you because of things that we have talked about, being filled with the Holy Spirit, the gathering together, um, and, and the such. And so, I mean, I look at our team and what we're doing here as very much like what the New, church, New, the New Testament church, the New New Testament church, um, and as they identified so easily, and I feel the same way as the Hebrews coming out of Egypt and into this promised land. I feel like that God is leading us out of something and into something really awesome as a team and as a, as a, as a, new, as a new work beginning. And I feel that every day is just a day where we're just taking steps toward that promise of God. And, um, and in Joshua 1 verse 9, I was thinking about this verse this afternoon. Uh, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? I like that command. It's a good commandment, isn't it? It's not a command, don't do this, don't do that. Because Joshua represented the new covenant. Moses represented the old covenant. Joshua represents the new covenant, which is the covenant of promise, the covenant of conquering, the promise of acquiring what God has set, the, 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 um, the new covenant of possessing your possessions. Uh, whereas the Moses represented a covenant of what you cannot do, do not do this and do not do that. The entire covenant that Joshua, Joshua speaking of the New Testament type of Jesus Christ, uh, Joshua representing our leader and our, our warrior leading us into the promised land. And God speaks, uh, in jo- Joshua chapter 1 verse 9, Have I not commanded you to be strong and be courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is wherever you go. Which verse? It's verse 9 of chapter 1 of Joshua. Oh, okay. Isn't that amazing? That the Lord God is with you wherever you go. You know, so that means when Neil goes to, to New Jersey, <laughs> that interesting state, which is, I think, such an interesting state, God's with him there. You know, when you go to, you know, when you go to Home Depot or when I go to, in, in a week and a half, I'm going to be in, in Eastern Europe, God goes with us, you know. When, you, when you, your family moved down here from Baltimore, God was with your family, you know. And the same with the Lions' family. And God is with us. And, and when HD goes to China, God is with him. And so be, be strong and be courageous. And so as this, imagine this new group of people. God had just done this incredible thing. Mm-hmm. 3,000 people, right, gather Get saved. Now, I don't know if I mentioned this Sunday or not, but it's very possible that this 3,000 people didn't stay in Jerusalem after they got saved. A lot of them were probably out-of-towners coming for the event. So it's very possible that 3,000 of these people that got saved in Chapter 2 leave and go back to their prospective cities and countries where they came from, the Middle East, uh, Turkey, Asia Minor, Lebanon, Egypt, down, Alexandria, Egypt, Alexandria Al- Arabia. Um, and if you read, um, I think it's the English Standard Version or the New King James Version, both bring this out, that there were Arabs there, and they heard the gospel, Arabs or Arabians. And so these 3,000 hear the gospel. Well, there's maybe 10,000 or more get, hear the gospel. 
3,000 make a decision to get saved, to receive Christ as their Savior. And, and it's very possible that a good portion of that 3,000 were not locals in Jerusalem, but they went back. That's amazing. You see the spreading of the gospel right at the beginning. And so this at this moment, um, in chapter 4, uh, we see persecution begin. And I think it's good for us to understand that whenever we see the move of God move in a great way, in your life or in someone's life, um, not to be paranoid or to live in fear or to, you know, to cringe back, but understand that the devil is, is the devil never initiates. The devil always reacts. Hey, buddy. Hello. He's always reacting. He's, not, he's never initiating in your life. He's reacting. God does something in your life, and he's going to react, you know. The devil does some, God does something awesome in our lives. He blesses us, and the devil's going to react to that. When we look at the book of Acts, we always see God move and the devil react. God moves, the devil reacts. You never see the devil working and then God reacts. You never see that pattern in the book of Acts. And so what is very easy for the New Testament church is for them to get intimidated by this, in Acts chapter 4, this persecution and this jail sentence, this jail time. And so, what, and so what is the great promise that God gives to Joshua as he's leading his, the people of, Israel, of the Hebrews out of Egypt? What is the confidence that God gives the new church uh, as, they are, as they are beginning to spawn and grow and, and uh, reproduce? What is the confidence that God gives you and I today as we endeavor, as we step out into this awesome new adventure in our lives. What is that? It's this presence, God's presence. God's presence gives confidence to the Israelites as they cross the Jordan. Remember, what was it by day? It was the cloud by day, right? The fire by night. Interesting that it wasn't fire by day. Do you know why? Because the fire would have been probably in some way either outshined or not so easily seen if it was during the day. Clouds... Yeah, just such an interesting thing. Clouds represent, you know, last night we took the dog out. Was it last night or the night before? It was so foggy, unbelievable. We couldn't see anything, you know. And the Bible talks about how God dwells in, cl- in, in, in the clouds, in the cloudiness, where things are not clear. God is in the midst of that. Sometimes when we uh, are, are being led forward in God's plan, sometimes the only thing that God is giving us is something that doesn't seem to be so clear that we're hanging on to. But we're supposed to follow that, and that's the presence of God. Like, maybe I don't have all the answers, but I know God's in it because I, de- I can detect God's presence, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I can't say, well, you know, this, 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 and this, my four bullet points of why I think God's in this. All I can say is, you know what? I sense God's presence, and I sense that the Lord is with us. So God's presence gives confidence to the Israelites as they cross the Jordan his, his presence comforts us today, doesn't it? I don't know if you've ever been discouraged or been hit with something that you weren't expecting, and you're kind of in your car or in your, your room or wherever you're at, and the Lord's presence begins to minister to you. you know, you're just like, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I, I just feel like I've been sucker punched in this situation. And then the presence of the Lord just begins to minister to you. And you can't really put words to it. Mm-hmm. You can't really say, okay, you know. But you just sense the comforting presence of God that gives boldness. Mm-hmm. Um, C.S. Lewis said in his book, I think it was called The Screwtape Letters, 
Um, he said that courage is not simply one of the virtues, but the, it's a form of every virtue at the testing point. Which means, when we look at the first Christians in the first church in the book of Acts, they were tested and they were proven not because they were exceptional people. And I posted this on Facebook a few days ago. I love this quote. They were, they were tested and proven virtuous, not because they were exceptional themselves, but because God was near. You know, because God was near. Remember as the Israelites, they cross the Jordan, they're going into the promised land, and there is rumor going throughout the Canaanites and the Hittites and all of these um, uh, seven to ten different tribes and some of them were actually very large. Some of them were giants. And what was happening was that they were hearing that there are these new people in the land and that there was this mighty God that was with them that was parting oceans, parting seas, uh, that was coming down in incredible works that was doing miracles. And just the testimony of God's presence with the Hebrews was setting fear in the enemies. Mm-hmm. I think that what is the most... When you look at us, when you look at a Christian, when you look at your family, when you look at yourself, what's the scare what's the most intimidating thing about you for the devil? It's the presence of God in your life. It's the spirit of God in you. It's that spirit that's in you. And when the when the when the um, magistrates and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the rulers looked at the apostle that the disciples before Jesus was crucified what was the testimony? They had seen, they detected that they had been with Jesus. Mm-hmm. They had the fragrance of the presence of God in their life. And I think that that is, that is our source of confidence. Our source of confidence is not in anything else than just God's anointing in our life. When we say anointing, we're talking about the application of the Holy Spirit as oil in our life the presence and the fragrance of the anointed one, Jesus Christ. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like when we practice the presence of God in our intimacy with God, in those quiet times we have, whether it's in our car or in our prayer room or on a walk or whatever, wherever we're at, um, when, we, when we exercise ourselves in the presence of God, that brings confidence um, and we see here God's presence is in the first church to move the church ahead in its mission to make disciples. And so what does this mean for us practically? What does this mean for us practically? How do I practically exercise the presence of God? Do I get, do I become, do I get into this yoga position, start meditating, empty my mind out of all any type of thinking, and do I just open myself up for any sense of any type of presence? Because if you do that, you're going to be detecting other types of presences which are not going to be the Spirit of God. Uh, When we talk about practicing the presence of God, it's not some mystical thing. It is Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Is what it means to practice the presence of God. When, When Paul said to the Colossian church, he said, set your mind on things above because we are seated in the heavenlies. You and I are seated in the heavenlies. Like, you know, some of you have positions at where you work, right? You walk into the room, 
and you represent a delegated authority that was given to you by your 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 management, right? Like right, like so. So like when you walk into the room, you're not you don't have to walk around say reminding everybody all this. Maybe you do, I don't know, but mm-hmm. like you know, but but people know that you have been delegated mm-hmm. in a position, and that is your positional authority uh, on the job site, and. Uh, that is what has been given to you. It doesn't matter how you feel emotionally that day. It doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't matter if your car is working that day or not. It, it doesn't matter. Any you have been given that position um, by your employment, and so the same with us. We have been seated with Christ in the heavenlies, and I like heavenlies because it just means that we are above the this this the 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 rat race of the world. We're above all of that. You know, I love to fly. I love to get into a plane and go above the clouds and just, I love it there because you're just so above everything. You know, you're not, you know, you're not in the, in the, in the, in the humdrum of the, the, uh, the world system. And we are in Christ and that's the perspective that we need to think from. And I want to challenge us tonight Okay, there are going to be things that come that hit us that have not have not have not already hit us, that will require us to think from our position, and not from our experience. Mm-hmm. Okay, like when you are down and out, when you are discouraged, when you when you really are doubting your faith, your decisions, where you're at today, uh, we need to we need to as they say in Texas, pick yourself up by your bootstraps, and I think that's where that came from, Texas. Because I don't know where in the, else in the union, or I shouldn't say union, but where else, where else in the world they would say that. Pick yourself up and start thinking from your position and not your experience. Okay, And that's going to take some time. It's going to take us getting in the Word. I like what, I was thinking about what um, Neil's mentor said to him one time. You, you shared this with us. Uh, you were going through something, you called him up, and the guy just asked you, how was your prayer life going? Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly like, like that's what we need to do. Like we need those voices in our life that say, "Hey, how's your how's your vertical with God?" You know, mm-hmm. are you in the Word? Are you, you know? So we need to think from our perspective of who we are in Christ. Tony Evans said, "You are not fighting for victory; you are fighting from victory." Is that good? The battle has already been won. Mm-hmm. Uh, when our gaze falls down to the earth, God appears far, and without His presence. We experience the opposite of courage. We experience fear. Whenever we, whenever our eyesight drops from the heavenlies and we begin to be uh, overly occupied with the skirmishes in this life, um, we are going to begin experiencing fear. You know what fear is? Fear is just the, the fear is just the natural result of the absence of the love of God. Mm. That's what fear is. Fear is just what happens in our soul when we're no longer fellowshipping with the unconditional love of God. When I start stop thinking of that I'm the I'm I am in the beloved, that I am his beloved in the book of in the song of Solomon, that I am the apple of his eye, that I am in Christ, that um, I am set above principalities and powers, that I am forgiven, that I am, you know, these 95 things that happen at the point of salvation. When we lose sight of that, then what happens is, is that fear begins to take over. Um, fear slows our movement. It 
it causes us, um, Matt Chandler said this, it causes us to duck our heads, slump our shoulders, and shuffle our feet. We are forced to attend the most immediate concerns, those right in front of us, losing sight of the big picture. And so what he's saying is, is that when we can begin to live in fear and we begin to get overly occupied with what is happening, we start thinking in our experience instead, for, instead of our position, mm-hmm. then what will happen is, is that we, we, lose the, we lose the big picture. And that's so important for us not to lose the big picture of what Christ is doing in our, in our lives, in our families, in our midst, uh, with this new work that we're doing that we don't lose the big picture because when we lose the big picture, then we just get focused with what's immediately in front of us. Remember that verse? Um, I think it's the way the, I think it's the way the book of Joshua ends. It says it, it's this very unique verse. It says, and every man went to his own tent. Mm -hmm. Do you ever read that verse? It's kind of like the way the book of Joshua ends. Joshua's dead. I, I don't know how, if it's Joshua, somebody has to remind me of that, but it's so interesting how, like, when there's no longer a vision of a great big God, like we were just talking about at the table here, right? Somebody said, we just got to think like we have such a great big God, that when we lose sight of God's greatness, everyone's going to go to, they're, they're, we're all going to gravitate to our own lives, right? We're going to go to our own tent and and we're going to just forget the big picture of what God's doing in Israel, going to the promised land. And if you find it, then just let me know. But I think it's kind of near the end of the book of Joshua. Uh, maybe it's at the book at the end of, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the end of the book of Joshua. Mm-hmm. You got it there? Mm-hmm. If you find it, let me know. But, you know, after such incredible acquisition of the, of the promised land and so much victory, the vision is lost and then everyone goes to their own tent and they become so so focused on what's going on just in their immediate surroundings. And so um, what was the answer? Well, the first church kept their eyes on God uh, because they prayed for boldness. There's going to be times when we're going to be intimidated. You know, We're going to just be outright intimidated. And what do we have to do at that moment? We just pray for boldness. God, you see what's happening. Uh, give us boldness. And you know something? Because they prayed for boldness, the ground shook. I think Timothy Keller, in one of his first messages, his first year of planting his church in New York um, City, preached this message in Acts, Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And he talked about that this was the center, really. This was the one of the most important verses in the beginning of the book of Acts, that, that why, did, why did the ground shake? Why did why did God move? Why was this power manifested? Because it was the presence of God, like an earthquake, motivated the ministry that caused ripples through Jerusalem. I'm just going to finish with that: that the presence of God in our life, when we're not grieving the Holy Spirit with our own flesh or our own opinions or our own whatever, uh, when we live in the presence of God, leading and guiding us and dominating us. In Romans chapter 6, when we yield to the Holy Spirit and not yield to the flesh, then what we do is we're making God great in our life. And I think, you know, uh, what is the most important thing for all of us is is that each one of us, and I want to say this on Sunday too, 
is that it's just not the pastor that's got to be spirit-filled. It's got to be every one of us has to be every day challenged. Joshua 20, um, right? chap- last chapter 28 verse. Uh, Joshua 24 verse 28. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. And then he dies in verse 29. I think that's so sad, that whole story right there. You know? Because when a vision, when, when a vision of a great God disappears in our life, then everyone just kind of goes to their own thing and they're doing their own thing. And so let me just finish with this, that um, here's a couple points to consider, all right? Um, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 22, you know, this challenges us to practice the presence of God in a new way. Be emboldened by the Holy Spirit to enter into the presence of God let me just read these verses in the Amplified. Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 22. Therefore, brethren, since we have full freedom and confidence to enter into the Holy of Holies by the power and virtue in the blood of Jesus, by this fresh, new, and living way which he initiated and dedicated and opened for us through the separating curtain, the veil of the Holy of Holies, that is, through his flesh, And since we have such a great and wonderful and noble priest who rules over the house of God, let us all come forward and draw near with true, honest, sincere hearts. In unqualified assurance and absolute conviction engendered by faith that by leaning on the entire personality on God, human personality on God, in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness, having our hearts sprinkled and purified from a guilty conscience and our bodies cleansed with pure water. And this is how we, this is how we experience boldness, is that we enter into the presence of God, into the Holy of Holies. We draw near to God, and we allow God, to, through the blood, to sprinkle us from a guilty conscience and to wash us by the water of the Word. You know, there are sometimes during the day where I just feel dirty. I don't know about you, spiritually dirty. You just feel dirty. I mean, it's not necessarily that we're doing something wrong or maybe we did. I, maybe we did. It was maybe one of the sins of, of in ignorance that we didn't know that we even committed. But you just kind of get to a point in your day where you just feel dirty. You know, just like, I just feel just grimy spiritually. And it's like, God, I just, or maybe my attitude is just really off. And just say, you know what? I got a really bad attitude. This happened to me. I was just like, oh, I just got set the, I got the I got a bad attitude right now. And it's like, God, I need to draw near to you. I need to be sprinkled by your blood. I need to be quickened by your Holy Spirit. And I just need a change right now of mind. And when we do that, God gives us a spirit of boldness, a spirit of wisdom, and uh, we're ready to rule. We're ready to rock with God, you know? And and I'll just finish with that because um it's not God's will for us to live in fear. It's not God's will for us to live thinking that we're not worthy, that I'm not worthy. Of course we're not worthy. Who's worthy? We've been made worthy through the blood of Christ. And we, when we pray, we better pray like, God, I'm not just throwing prayers up there. Just say, God, I'm just right now asking you for the biggest, best, greatest. Because this is Texas. And it's got to be big in Texas, right? <laughs> it's like, this is the way I pray. You know, God, you sent us to the biggest state. Uh, is California bigger than Texas? Oh, bigger than Alaska. 
Okay. Well, that doesn't count. What it does count, but that's up there in the north. Yeah, but it's so, cold. You know, like so, God, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta move mightily in people's lives here because there's just such a great need, isn't there? Mm-hmm. It's just God, you just gotta prove yourself strong and let's encourage each other in the, you know, in this, and uh, and just expect great things from God, right? Who said it? Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. Amen. Amen.